know all the time at kpfa.org. You can pledge anytime and check out the thank you gifts at kpfa.org and help KPFA. Um, stay tuned for Cover to Cover with Jennifer Stone. We did get the thumbs up. We did raise the 550. Thank you, one and all. Stay tuned to KPFA. ending nice and tidy it's a rule I learned in school get your money every Friday happy endings are the rule so divide up in darkness from the ones who walk in light light them up boys there's your picture drop the shadows out of This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw, and today is December the 14th, 2010, boys and girls, jingle bells, tiny Tim time, of course, the wisecracks this year. They're all about the way Donald Trump trumps tiny Tim. You know how that is. Yes, the rich get richer and the poor get babies. <laughs> Billionaire Benedict Arnolds, the folks who don't believe in social welfare, they don't care, they don't share. Actually, many of them do care individually. Um can check out the book Aftershock by Robert Reich. He's now a professor at uh, UC Berkeley. He's in town, you know. Uh, he tells us, yes, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, of course, right. Okay, they're the guys that said that, well, they, they didn't really need the money. Um, I suppose they could donate. <laughs> anyway, Robert Reich was the Secretary of Labor during the Clinton administration, and uh, he was on our air this morning, uh, excerpts from one of his lectures. He was here, yes, he gave a speech, several. Um, all that stuff is available. Talk to the subscription folks when you call to subscribe to KPFA today. Oh, I can't bear it. It's too hard. I I listened to Philip, and it just makes me ache. Uh, everyone around here looks so... Well, stressed, you know, I was going to send them all to Lena Berman because she was talking about stress today. And she said that she was overwrought. And I thought about that walking down to KPFA. I thought about being overwrought. And I thought, well, wrought, W-R-O-U-G, wrought, it means worked, as in what man hath wrought, that is, what man hath made or created or sculpted or put together. Never mind, never mind, never mind. Ah. The ultimate ambiguity of all human endeavor. 
I think sometimes it's obvious to KPFA listeners that I am the oldest voice on KPFA. Now that I'm 77, I made it. I made it. Since I was last on the air, I made it to 77. I have arrived at the top of the mountain, and I don't have to do anything else. I can sit around and play with leaves and grass and, you know, like the crazy old, uh, the crazy old, um, what did we used to call them? Uh, oh, bodhisattvas. Yes, you sit under the tree and uh, sit. don't sit under the Bodhi tree with anyone else but me. I think of Alan Watts. Um, it is my impression and I won't pursue it, that Alan Watts despaired there at the end. But I know that he did save my psyche in the 1960s, back when I was a suburban mom searching for an existential excuse to cut loose and become a beat poet, right? I filled several filing cabinets with words, words, words. God bless Alan Watts. At least he taught me that only that which is utterly intangible matters. Yes, what was it Gertrude Stein said? She said, I never could believe how a word went dead. Once it had been said. Well, that one broke my heart, but I just went off and got more degrees. I got another degree. Yes, we get a master's. And I studied Gertrude Stein, who taught me. Well, here's Gertrude. She writes, what is poetry? And if you know what poetry is, what is prose? Which landed me uh, on the page with Samuel Beckett, the mighty one himself. Yes, Samuel Beckett. I think that Samuel Beckett has written the ultimate epitaph for the artist or the <laughs> would-be artist. Samuel Beckett wrote, try again, fail again, fail better. So, back then, I decided that uh, Gertrude Stein would be my, uh, my metaphorically, that is, my father, my dad, uh, because of her great joy and her confidence. And Samuel Beckett would be my mother, because he certainly was masochistic and tragic, and uh, although he had a happy old age, <laughs> most people think he was pessimistic. I don't know where they came up with a notion like that. I thought he was more fun than a barrel of monkeys, but there it is, there it is. Uh, never mind. So many voices in the world, so many, so many people trying to express themselves. That's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to save, save the world. That's what we have the, the, the KPFA vision, you know. You've heard all about it now for many, many years. I've been here since 1981. <laughs> oh, oh, KPFA, oh, the chattering classes, all this mental meat. Apparently, we're in some trouble now, and we, we need to um, 
We need to come up with money. I, I only mention it because I'm the world's worst salesman. I, I don't manage the money very well. Uh, uh, I'm one of those culture vultures. I think that, you know, we should be above all that sort of thing. Uh, I'm just too lazy, just too lazy to try. I think that uh, those of us who, what is it, we believe that the human comedy should just be devoured. We should just, we should just be uh, thieves. Um, the things that keep us alive, you know, uh, what would we do without all the, uh, oh, what is it, uh, all the plays and films. And lately I've been making lists of the people that I'm grateful for ever since Thanksgiving. And I realized that in spite of all my griping about it, the theater is my home. It's where I live. And every time a new playwright um, comes along, I was listening to Tony Kirshner, who isn't new, but he was doing a 20-year spin on his play Angels in America. And I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful um, if we could get him over here on KPFA, along with Robert Reich and so many others. I, I thought... Uh, you know, I thought Angels in America was pretty much the play for the 21st century. But it's obvious there's more coming, folks. Uh, I don't know who it is we're waiting for, but they're coming along. Lately, I read, that is, I'm told by the pop media, by the pundits, that uh, the New Age is a kind of a collage, a montage, that it's going to come from left field. I hope it's left field, what's left of the left. This business with WikiLeak. See, now that's my Christmas present. I, I keep thinking there will be new, new ways. Uh, art is never, well, there's always art, but whether it takes the form of um stage theater or whether it's just social theater who knows who knows uh what i do know is that the emperor is buck naked and what a show what a performance we are watching uh <laughs> actually journalism is yes the new the new thing is literary journalism i i know it's strange but even our best artists are are pulled into this this great i don't know what it is a montage i guess a collage of uh what is that uh politics as theater now actually i know nothing about this WikiLeaks thing except that uh it seems as though it would be a good idea to have no more secrets uh everybody caught with their pants down it might make the people in power uh, more accountable. Yes, there might be more accountability. On the other hand, it might just mean that there's more secrecy, more lies. We all know the great lie, the big lie, the hypocrisy that uh, is the state. Yes, Auden said there was no such thing as the state. I would disagree. I, I think there's a lot of guys out there and their business uh, these days seems to be to take our uh, cars from out our garages, our money from out our pockets. Uh, I see clouds, yes, the old witch, I see clouds. Jesus, Mary and Joseph, black birds circling 
history happens, you know. Moral nihilism out there. Ah, bodies piling up, graveyards are full, the wounded fill the city streets. Uh, It is now a neo-feudal society. Uh, On the other hand, as people keep telling me, I get letters in the mail that say, more eat than starve. Right, cheer up. The new century, the 21st, the thinkers tell us, well, they say that uh, the cell block has replaced the auction block. 20% of humanity has been abandoned, written off. That is clear. No question about it. Uh, Something that would have startled my parents, although things were certainly rough in their day, uh, Christopher Hedges was in Berkeley last week. Um, Now, his work is inspiring. I like to hear what he has to say. Uh, He tells us that the liberal class, the liberal class, if it is a class, a group, a movement, uh, apparently they've dropped the ball. There's nothing left of the left, but (laughs) again, I would disagree. Uh, He called it Inverted totalitarianism, the neo, neo-left, uh, he says that economics trumps politics, right? <laughs> Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Trump trumps Tiny Tim, money rules, corporate power controls politics, the best democracy money can buy, Moloch, the money god, uh... Dictates our choices, right? Got us by the short hairs. The oligarchy is, what is that? Uh, that's that boot. You remember in 1984, the book, the novel by George Orwell, um, the hero asks the torturer, he says, what is the future? What is the future? And the bad guy, the um, interrogator says, the future is a black boot pounding in your face that is kicking you in the head forever. Yes. The late Ted Kennedy once used a phrase that I'd love. He he was talking about the super rich Americans, uh and he called them billionaire Benedict Arnolds. Traitors. Those who take the money and run. Uh now how how unpatriotic uh can you get? Uh the super rich hmm. The super rich, I I have visions, dreams of the guillotine, right? You remember the guillotine? And of course, the, uh, the courts of Louis XIV and XVI, they were small potatoes, uh, compared to what's going on today. I was hoping, I was thinking, last night I was watching some, well, it was early in the morning, I was watching a show that is going to go off the air. Went off the air, let's see, the 13th, last night, yesterday. It was the story of the rise of Barack Obama. And it was an hour and a half documentary on HBO all about the glorious, happy moment when Barack Obama came to power. When the Democratic Party said, okay. And I thought, oh, yes. Barack Obama, he speaks now sometimes of the North Star, the president. I heard him refer the other day again to the North Star. Now, that 
refers to ancient, well, old times when uh, people who were suffering uh, as uh, captives under slavery in the south, in the deep south of America, they looked to the North Star to guide them uh, to Ohio or anyway, to where the slavery ended and uh, their freedom would begin. And Obama said that that was the direction is enough to make you weep. Obviously, he is a, a fine historian, Barack Obama, and a, a rather brilliant writer. I would ask you to compare his writings, his autobiography especially, with the works of other Democrats, and you will find that he is outstanding uh, among our presidents. He is, uh, at well, he's the top drawer when it comes to literary talent uh, and yet I think politicians politicians at their best must be tricksters magicians I think he knows he knows intellectually that it's all theater the illusions you know uh, you remember Bill Clinton always making his entrances as if he were a rock star Elvis Presley was <laughs> His image, curtain up. But when Barack Obama enters, um, well, we have elegance. Um, I thought, last night I thought, here's what we'll do. I'm going to send him, get together, raise the money, we'll get a tent. We're going to send a tent to Washington, D.C., and he can put up a big tent on the White House lawn. He can move in there with Michelle and the girls and his mother-in-law, you know. She's a great woman, that Marion Robinson. She's a terrific human being. And, I mean, after all, her daughter grew up to marry future head of state. Uh, her son teaches basketball. I mean, basketball. What can you do? Uh, he's a cool dude. Uh, I think he should manage a national program for midnight basketball. Uh, it will cut the crime rate from coast to coast. Gives young men and women a swell social scene. You know, in Miami, they left the pools open till one in the morning and the crime rate dropped just completely down. Nothing, no crimes. <laughs> People had some place to go, something to do. Yes, Barack's brother-in-law, the good people. The people who have the new age hopes. And there's still a lot of them. Uh... Yes, tents, yes, we'll get the tent, and <laughs> like another uh, head of state, we can get Barack to act out, to dramatize the problem. In the past, you know, sometimes senators and uh, congresspeople have tried to live on welfare checks, that kind of thing, you know. They need to identify closely, uh, sleep in the gutter, that sort of thing. Uh, a Dickensian, like a Dickens story. You have to get in there and really feel what it's like. All the sitcoms are using uh, that uh, scheme. You know, anybody who can manage it can move into a tent. And, of course, that means they give their houses, their mansions to the homeless. And that's where the trouble comes, you know. They might spill things on the rug, but it's great publicity. Drama from Obama. <laughs> Actually, the president is stuck. 
And there's not much he can do. God bless him. I hope he does have some tricks, tricks up his sleeve. I think he imagines that if he follows the wise course, the statesman-like course, eventually the right wing will, uh, you know, shoot itself in the foot, demonstrate that it's following a false premise. It will become obvious that what the right wants is not what any of us need, the capacity of our citizens to act against their own best interests is colossal. <laughs> it, it turns us into absurdistan, yes, this absurdo stupidities, but I think, if you think about it, it's not so strange. Anger and fear are curious emotions. I was talking about it to a gentleman I ran into in the waiting room at the lab the other day. I was waiting to have some blood taken. They're always taking my blood. I don't know what they find in it. <laughs> he was a nice man. His name was Dicky. I hope he's listening. Uh, thinking of Davy D the other day. He was talking about the Panthers, and now it slipped my mind what Davy D was talking about. Anyway, well, no, it was about anyway. It was about the Panthers back in the day. And this gentleman, Dickie, he knew Huey P. Newton, and I was talking about Huey P. Newton's great book, Revolutionary Suicide, and how the past still soaks through everything. You know, the writer who said the past isn't dead. Hell, it isn't even past. Huey Newton's book, Revolutionary Suicide, was about the ways in which revolutionary suicide is a good idea. That is to say... uh you know, you go for for the great change. Uh, you do the right thing for real. Uh, he describes reactionary suicide as what happens to people who believe, believe what the ruling class says about them. And they react accordingly. And uh, that's uh, the way they fade from the scene, as my little theme song says, those in darkness drop from sight. That's the original translation from Berthold Brecht's play, uh, Three Penny Opera. You remember, uh, they keep changing the translations. Yes, those in darkness drop from sight, the homeless ones. Uh, it's so curious, the Tea Party dudes. I understand how they feel, but I don't understand how they think. I know that scapegoats are always needed. I know that self-righteous justification is American as apple pie. They need a target. They need to punish someone. We do the blame game. These desires. <laughs> this stuff has filled our prisons, yes. The cell block has replaced the auction block. A friend of mine, a lawyer, said that the... Uh, first indication that somebody's going to wind up in prison is they don't have a high school diploma. Yes, the poor and the undereducated. I guess it figures because, think think about this, um, the libraries, the libraries in the prisons seem to be improving, whereas the libraries in the public schools are melting. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, even women are going to jail. Gosh, you know, the highest salary for women these days, by the way. If you don't have a college degree, the best thing to do is go get a job as a security guard and work in the prisons. <laughs> the law of diminishing returns enters at some point because a lot of the women prisoners, well, most of them are mothers. Uh, 
And, of course, their kids are likely to wind up in jail themselves and round and round and round. Lately, I have noticed I got some things in the mail uh, showing me that the prison libraries, yes, really are getting better. Maybe some of the prisons, not all, of course, most of them are uh, hell on earth, but some of them are improving and have access to computers. And in a hideous way, they may replace the what we used to call junior colleges. Now, anybody think that's progress? Oh, yes. Read the books on the software. Think about it. Why do you think more money finds its way to prisons rather than to schools uh, and to the public libraries, you know, the not just the ones in the schools, but the ones that I use, you know. Less hours day by day. I know that these conditions vary so widely across the nation that most people can't keep track. They say, well, my library is, is not so bad, you know. Uh, Alaska still operates like the fatuous 50s. There you go. That's a kick. Sarah Palin, nature special on cable. There's regular Ronnie Reagan rerun there. Ah, the hideous thing. Remember that BS that Ronnie gave us 30 years ago, boys and girls. Back in 1980, oh, the nation gets maudlin at times, sentimental, talking about times that never existed. Their own youth, I suppose, in many cases. The proverbial golden age when Americans were the top drawer, the best country on earth. We claimed to be virtuous. That's because, well, I uh, the stage set for my childhood and youth was World War II. So, uh, I got stuck in that little, um, what do you call that, that, that belief system. Of course, I knew, people told me, that it was all about the money, you know, Moloch, the profits for those who manufactured the weapons. I knew that was the motive for this blood sport we call conflict, war, we slaughtered millions. Uh, but even then, I... I guess I just saw too many movies. I thought we were fighting for uh, freedom or any way to uh, kill fascism or something. Uh, it was only the draft resistors. They were the only ones who understood what was really going down. The truth um, behind the great lie. Pacifica Public Radio was founded in 1949 because there were a few a few wise guys who resisted even World War II. They were willing to go to jail to demonstrate their belief that war is always nothing but a battle for resources. It's all about greed, folks. Greed stains our culture, soaks our sensibilities, and has replaced grace as a sign of our intimacy with the divine. Now, that lovely quote is from me. Uh, it wound up in the, uh, let's see, it was some newspaper. <laughs> yes. Uh, Anderson Valley Advertiser, I remember now. Yes. It said that our intimacy with the divine right has replaced grace. Yes, we all know that the rich are closer to God. Now, today, all the money talk, if you think about it, uh, 
leads me to the union of the prison guards. You know, the security industry. They're not the Gestapo, I don't think. Is it true that our official underclass, you know, is still all about the money pot? I've run out of time, people. I can't imagine how I thought I had time to tell you all about the ways in which this radio station is the last vestige of the age of reason. You want the enlightenment, you gotta support KPFA. <laughs> I'll be back on the air again next Tuesday, the God's willing. Uh, until then, I hope that our emotional education and our intellectual education will not be neglected. I want to thank Frank Sterling for engineering my show. Till next week, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. It's Ben Jennifer Stone. Al Jazeera has a long history of reporting from the areas hardest hit by U.S. foreign policy and the policies of its allies. The network broadcasts news and analysis from Afghanistan to Colombia, from the Ivory Coast to the West Bank. And the content is broadcasted to over 220 million households in more than 100 countries. Al Jazeera plainly pledges to, quote, treat our audiences with due respect and address every issue or story with due attention to present a clear, factual, and accurate picture while giving full consideration to the feelings of victims of crime, war, persecution, and disaster. This kind of coverage has ostensibly changed the media landscape, not just in the Arab world, but around the planet as a whole.